tell them I'm a gracious God. That is the name of this Christmas message. And I pray you understand, if you haven't already, that God is a gracious, gracious God. And this son that was born that we celebrate, remember, you can never separate the virgin birth from the crucifixion, nor the resurrection, or the second coming. They all go hand in hand. They're a string of pearls. You can't take one out from the other. You need them all to understand Christmas. We're going to speak about a couple of those things today. Tell them I'm a gracious God. Let's turn to Luke chapter 2. I want to look at Christmas through the eyes of a man named Simeon. If you've never heard of him, today's your first day. We open up to Luke chapter 2. I will read verses 22 to 35. Starting in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up, Jesus that is, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was a righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he could not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul, Mary, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. Father God, open up our hearts and minds to understand the scriptures, Father God. Let us understand, Father God, this rising and this falling, Father God. Let us understand this great light to the Gentiles, Father God. And Father God, let us understand what it means to the glory of your people Israel, Father. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Just gonna take one second, John. I put the air conditioner on if it gets too cold. Turn it off. How's the temperature in here? Too, all right. I got the air conditioner on, so maybe if it gets too cold, let me know. All right. Just throw snowballs at me, and I'll stop preaching. All right. But I think this little sweater was a little too much. I want to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of this man, Simeon. What was his thoughts? What was these prophecies that were made over the baby Jesus to his parents, Joseph and Mary? And what does that mean for you and me today, 20, or should say 2,000 years later? How important is this glory 
of Israel? And how important is this uh, light of revelation for the Gentiles? So let's look at it today and, and see what Simeon says about, in this case, the baby Jesus that's on a mission. Another Christmas comes, another goes. Here we are. We're here to celebrate Christmas. And the truth of the matter is, as Pastor John already said, Christmas for me is not like it was when I was 12 or 8 years old. Christmas really, Christmas, the crucifixion, the resurrection is something the Christian lives out every day. I rejoice in what God has done for my salvation through Jesus Christ. But a question needs to be asked. What are we celebrating? Praise God. Out of the mouths of babes. Well, my hope and prayer today is that this text we read and study, and I use the word study, reveals what is going on in our hearts. Because God is all about the human heart. He's not about presence. He's about what's taking place in our hearts. The place that no one sees except God. Because... At the end of the day, that's all God is concerned about, is what's taking place in our hearts. I want to start with a quote, and I'm going to use it as a working quote. I'll probably use it throughout the sermon. It's by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis once said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I can see the sun, but because by it, I can see everything else. I want to say it again. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I can see it, but because by the sun, I can see everything else. And this is what C.S. Lewis is saying here. I believe in Christianity because if it wasn't for Christianity, I wouldn't know what in the world I was here for. I understand life on this planet because of Christianity. Christianity is a mirror that lets me know what's taking place in this world. That's what C.S. Lewis is saying. Our story tonight is about seeing and believing. But not seeing with the natural eye, but more importantly with the spiritual eyes, as C.S. Lewis was saying in our man, in our text today, Simeon. He saw something in this infant that no one else could see. The reason Simeon can say so many incredible things about Jesus concerning Israel and the rest of the world, just by looking at an eight-day-old infant, is because he has the eyes of faith. He has the eyes in the mission of Jesus Christ the Messiah. A mission of restoration for Israel and a revelation of God to the rest of the world. Our text tonight captures the main points of the virgin birth. There are three of them I would like to speak about tonight. Number one is Jesus vindicates the religion and the nation of Israel. Number two is Jesus is a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And three, I will speak about Jesus will call the rising and falling of many. Let me get to point one. Jesus vindicated Israel's religion. I'm going to read Luke 22, Luke 2, verse 32. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. I will speak about the second part first, ancient Israel. Ancient Israel was a religion that boasted much. 
but it did very little. Out of all the nations of the world, with all their pantheon of gods, Israel boasted that they belonged to the one true and living God. And that this God promised great things for Israel. Many fantastic promises that all the nations of the world were one day going to come and bow down and worship the God of Israel. But the best years of Israel's existence were way, 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 way behind them. They've been under foreign rule for over 500 years. And at the present time of this text, they were under the very, very heavy hand of the Roman Empire. Israel had nothing to boast about. To see Israel as a nation and a God wasn't to see very much. For Simeon to make such a claim while the nation was under the heavy hand of Rome, while looking into the face of an infant eight days old, is amazing. This is a bold statement by this elderly gentleman. One would have to say, what kind of faith is this? What kind of child is this? We have a couple of children running around today. You've seen an eight-year-old baby to look into his face and to think that he's going to rule the whole world one day is a pretty bold statement, especially when you're a nation that's been under foreign rule for over 500 years. No one took the nation of Israel serious anymore. Their high time has come and gone. It was a thousand years before under David and Solomon that Israel was at the pinnacle of its existence as a nation. But they are so far from any of this. But Simeon can look into this infant's face and say, the glory of Israel. All Simeon had was a few verses of scripture from the prophets, specifically the prophet Isaiah. But then again, that's all he needs because it's God's word. For this infant is no ordinary child, but he is God's Messiah. He's God's king. He's God's son. He's God's deliverer. God's promised deliverer. You see, Israel's glory was not in world domination. They were not going to be known for their armies or their strategies. It wasn't the end of the Roman Empire that Simeon was talking about. But Israel's glory was to bless the rest of the world with salvation. The nation of Israel was a means to an end. It was not an end in itself. There was a promise given to a man named Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed through you. And the time has come. A salvation so incredible As we sung today, many great men and kings and wise men would bow down to this baby. But that's not all. Many peasants, slaves, children, but most of all, sinners, thieves, murderers, the sexually impure, and all those who broke God's law will one day bow down and worship this child as the king. Do you know if you worship today, that's what you did? You worshiped 
Jesus Christ, the king of the world. People don't really care for much, care for each other. God was going to change people's hearts, not just to care for God, but to genuinely care for one another. This is something no other so-called God could ever do. No matter how much power or praise men give to the pagan world, it was only stone, silver, or gold. In other words, they were just dead gods. Where many nations have blessed the world with a legacy, Israel's is different. If you think about the Phoenicians, how it blessed the world with shipping, they were master shipbuilders and they charted the ancient waters. You think about the Greeks with their architecture. They gave libraries, they gave the alphabet, they gave schools, they gave us the Olympics. They gave us science and they gave us math, they gave us medicine, they gave us art. The Romans constructed roads that bring peace to the whole ancient world of its time. But Israel, the Jews, however, blessed the world with the knowledge that there's only one true God. Don't ever forget that. It did not come from anywhere else. It was the Jewish nation that gave us an understanding there is only one God. That's revelation. And then bless the world with redemption. For God has called the Jews to bring salvation to the world through the Jewish Messiah. The Jew who believed in Jesus knew that they were the fulfillment of the high promises of the Old Testament to the nation. This is it, they said. It's not about world domination. No, on the contrary. It's about worshiping the one true God in spirit and in truth. Jesus has put Israel back on the map, on the world stage, not with an army, but with himself, a savior. Who fought and won man's greatest battles. The three great enemies that scripture teaches us, the world has, Jesus took down with his death on the cross. He took down sin, he took down Satan, and he took down death. Point two. He's not just Israel's glory, but he's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Revelation means to understand that which has not been revealed to you. Israel had no, the the pagan world had no idea there was only one true living God. They believe in a pantheon of gods. Now God had a design for them. He was going to show the world what only Israel knew. There's no such thing as a pantheon of gods. There's only one God, and he's the creator. His name is Yahweh. The ancient world was not short on religions. They didn't need another one. They had thousands. They weren't short on worship, and they weren't short on sacrifices, and they weren't short on prayers. They worshiped daily their gods. There were no atheists in the ancient world. 
everyone served many gods. But they never knew that these false gods could never hear them. They didn't know that. They didn't know that these false gods couldn't see them or speak to them. These gods could not inform them, could not act on their behalf, could not deliver them. These gods they served could not redeem them, could not show mercy, could not show grace, and could not show forgiveness. They were in spiritual darkness, and the worst part about it, they didn't know it. Spiritual darkness is very deceptive and manipulative. All the ancients were blind and superstitions. Not much different than today. That's where the deception and manipulation lies. False hope is no hope at all. They believed that they tried real hard. And they prayed real hard. And they offered enough, enough sacrifices that possibly the gods of the pantheons would be favorable to them and life would be good. That's what the ancient world thought. Unfortunately, many people think that today. That they can manipulate God. When you don't know God, please hear me. We will invent ways to try to please God and to receive his favor. This was the world of the pagans that God said he was going to bring revelation to the Gentiles. They were in the darkness. They were helpless and they were hopeless and they had no idea about it. But this baby that was in the manger was going to do something for them that they had no idea of. Jesus Christ is the God of the Gentile as much as the Jew. It's into this world of darkness that Israel Messiah went. Carrying the message we know today is the gospel. Good news. News about God that they never ever dreamed of. These pagans were hearing something fall upon their ears they'd never heard before. They were hearing about this God who is alive, a God who hears, a God who sees, a God who cares, a God who can deliver from the power of sin, from the deception of Satan, and even raise the dead. This God, the pagan world, had no idea existed. This is revelation. This is something they never heard of before. This is the God that can change the heart from loving oneself to actually loving other people. This is a God that can infuse grace so as we can live a life that's pleasing to God. A God who finally said, I love you and created you in my image. This is a God who said, I am intimately acquainted with every detail of your life and I love you. This is a revelation. This the world never knew that you knew it, but the rest of the world didn't know that God cared for them. For the first time they knew God as father. 
for the first time they felt religious affection for God. Their hearts were aflamed with love for God for the first time. They experienced his care for them as a father would care for a child. They found a new impulse to serve God. Life was different now. Life had meaning now. Life had purpose now. The gods they served all their life could never do these things. They were always in the darkness. Does God love me? Does God concern for me? All the curveballs of life, all the inconsistencies of life, all the fears of life as they worshiped their false gods were still alive in them because they never met the one true living God. They needed revelation. They needed someone to tell them God cares for them. Life was different. Marriage would never be the same. Children and wives would never be the same. If you're not familiar with 2,000 years ago, women and children were on the low end of the totem pole in the ancient world. It was Christianity that gave them dignity. Gave them honor. They had a place in the kingdom of God. Not the pagans. There was no place for a woman. There was no place for a child. They felt a sense of dignity. For the first time. And the reason they felt it. Because they found out something they didn't know. Only the Jew knew. They were created in the image of God. Money does not give you dignity. Prosperity does not give you dignity. Position in life does not give you dignity. Upbringing does not give you dignity. Education does not give you dignity. Strength and might does not give you dignity. God gives us dignity by creating us in his image. They had their many superstitions that only leads to fear. But now it was over. A great light of understanding came. For the first time, they really experienced God's love. People still need to feel and experience God's love today. And when they experienced this love of God, it was irresistible to them. They could not get enough of Jesus Christ. Only the Jew knew the attributes of God as he revealed himself in scripture to Moses, to Abraham, and to the prophets. Now, for the first time, they've received their own revelations of God as the prophets have spoken. This was their season of grace The world would never, ever be the same again because of this eight-day-old infant that was in the manger that Simeon picked up and he looked into his face and he said, God, I've waited all my life and now I can leave in peace because I have seen your salvation to the world.
There's a verse of scripture that captures the essence of what I just said about the gracious God. Listen to Acts 13 when Paul was preaching. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly to the Jews. It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were appointed to eternal life, they believed, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. This was brand new. This was fresh. When these, when these evangelists and these apostles and these Jewish preachers went around the world preaching about the Christ, preaching about the Messiah, their hearts were elevated like never before. I can remember the first time I walked into a church that knew Jesus this way. I remember 30 years ago, service just like this. I sat in the back, didn't want anybody to see me crying. And I remember leaving saying, I have everything in this world, but I don't have God. I don't have God. You see, whether you know it or not, if you live in 21st century Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, you need the light of revelation to the Gentiles. You need the message of Christ. That's what Christmas is about. Let me give you point three. If we can go to verse 34 and 35, Jackie, or John Paul. Luke 2, 34 and 35. Thank you. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is to be opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul, Mary, so that the thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. There's another side of the message of the baby in the manger. It is not all good. Matter of fact, it's kind of sad, very somber. Not everyone has faith. Many in Israel chose not to believe in Jesus. So they killed him and his apostles. Jesus became God's red line in the sand. Make no mistake about it. Simeon knew it. God is a serious God and has graciously provided all humans need in Jesus. But many chose not to believe. On top of the unbelief hit list were the religious leaders of their day. The ones who crucified him. Then after then there were those who don't think 
they need salvation. They're not as bad as everybody else. Maybe they need Jesus, but I'm not that bad. This is one aspect of revelation. The human heart is a very dark place. It's a very dark place. Something is not right. In the secret place of our hearts, something's wrong. Something's amiss. Something is broken. Something is empty. There is a hole in the human life that could only be filled by Christ. That's my story. 30 years ago. At 29 years old, there was nothing me and my wife didn't have. At 29. But we realized that we didn't have God. And when you don't have God, guess what? You don't have anything. I needed light of revelation. I thought just by going to church, I was going to heaven. I was living in spiritual darkness, and I didn't know it. The pagans were living in spiritual darkness, and they didn't. Everyone lives in spiritual darkness until Jesus shines the light of revelation into our hearts. We're so easily self-deceived. We can make up the rules as we go along. We can bend the rules. We can make everything come out right for ourselves. But at the end of the day, our hearts are still empty and we do not have eternal life. I always knew there was something not right within my heart. Me and my wife went to a marriage therapy, and I've shared this a couple times. After the first visit, he said, Terry, I don't need to see you, but Brian, I'd like you to keep coming back. (laughs) That happened to us twice. A Christian counselor told us the same thing. Then Jesus showed me, and he revealed something about me that I was not aware of. I, too, have sinned against God. And I needed more than a baby in a manger. I needed a resurrected redeemer that was going to forgive me and show me new life. I needed a revelation on the true Christmas message, something I was not hearing for the first 30 years of my life until I went into a Bible-believing church and I heard the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. I needed a revelation. I was not born into eternal life. I was born into eternal death, and I needed eternal life. I always knew something was not right. I, too, was deceived by my own actions and my own superstitions. I needed a new revelation about God as much as the ancient pagan did. And guess what? So does every man, woman, and child in America. Nothing's new under the sun. We live in a moral wilderness filled with pagan rituals. And people think they're right with God because they follow pagan rituals. 
Going to church week in and week out, but never pick up their Bible. Going to church year in and year out, decade in and decade out. And all it is is self-deception and still in darkness until the light of revelation signs off and says, I'm not saved. That's the problem. I've never asked Christ to truly forgive me of my sins and give me eternal life. My heart was broken, and I needed a transformation, something only God can do for us. Some rise to this eternal hope, this eternal peace, this eternal joy, this eternal power, this eternal life. And others fall into disarray, heartache, and eternal misery. Some rise in true saving faith, others fall in true unbelief. The world today is as dark as it was 2,000 years ago. And we need revelation today as they did 2,000 years ago. And guess what? God is still a gracious God. He's still gracious. He hasn't changed. He's still radical about us. He's still crazy about us. He knows every detail of your thought life, every word you ever said. God remembers. He remembers every action, every attitude, everything. God forgets nothing, and he wants everybody to know now as 2,000 years ago, he's a gracious, gracious, forgiving, and merciful God. Enough with the superstitions. Enough with thinking God is this, God loves me, God doesn't love me, how can he love me, how can he not love me? Stop trying to please God, stop trying to manipulate God, we're trying harder and more prayers and more going to church. No, let the madness stop today, receive the revelation of God's gracious nature and say, God, for the first time in my entire existence, I believe that Jesus Christ is God. When you know that that baby is God himself, you will never, ever be the same again. Every fear will be transformed into a life of faith. The question has to be asked, have you risen with him? Yet? As long as there is breath in our lungs, there's a chime to rise with Christ. As long as you have breath and you can say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, you can have life. No matter what we have ever did, God is more than willing to forgive. This is the gospel. This is what transformed all the world. No pagan superstitions. No pagan superstition got little men and women and their families to get on little wooden ships to come to America and worship God in spirit and truth. No, only one true God can do that. His name is Jesus Christ. That is it. And we are in this wonderful land and they're trying to take the privileges away from us. We are to stand up and receive the light of revelation that God has given us, that he's a gracious God. And that his son has mercifully died for all our sins and now promises eternal life for all those who will rise with him in saving faith. It is yours. Take it. It is for free. The pagan never heard for free. 
the pagan knew that if you're going to go to the gods, you've got to bring the best. And that's right, you do. But the point is, we don't have any best. So God gave his best. A sinless son died for us. That's the best. We sung about it tonight. This is the Christmas message Simeon preached to Mary and Joseph 2,000 years ago. Basically the same message you heard today. That's what Mary and Joseph heard when Simeon said, Mary, even a sword will pierce your own soul. In the Christian life, there's great times of rejoicing. Sometimes you've got to bow your head in sorrow and say, God, I blew it. The same message they needed 2,000 years ago is the same one we need today. My question to all of us. Will we rise with Jesus? Again, will we rise with Jesus or will we fall because of him? Because of unbelief? Let this be a Christmas message that you say for the first time maybe. Jesus, I want to rise with you. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. If you feel God was talking to you today, just say, Lord Jesus, I want to rise with you. I want to live with you forever. I desire forgiveness and I desire mercy. I accept your sacrifice on my behalf. I repent that I've sinned against you. And I trust you today, Lord Jesus, for the first time as the light of my revelation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you.